Hello, it is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, October 27th, and it is a beautiful day, isn't it, Ty? It sure is. I'm very excited. Just a couple days removed from Aaron Rodgers slicing and dicing the Houston Texans. He will join us for a conversation, which the whole world will be talking about, I assume. What will we talk about? Nobody knows. I don't even know, but I'm excited to see where it goes. Oh, yeah, and what do you know? He's back, you know? I mean, uh, the tales of his demise were obviously uh, short-lived. Bunch of tall tales, you ask me. Fairy tales, if you ask me. That's right. Not based in reality, because the reality is the dude is untouchable. Let's get him some weapons now. Would be cool to get a couple more weapons, but he and Devontae Adams said no need. We'll just take this thing over. Can't wait to chat with him. Also, big-ass brain in the history of football. Michael Lombardi, co-host of Hammer Don Gambling Podcast that we run out of here, uh, and also a man who has his own podcast. He's a former general manager for the Browns, a former advisor for the New England Patriots. He has two kids currently coaching in the NFL. His life has been committed to football since day one. He's super Italian. We won't hold that against him, but get ready to learn some things about the football and the humans that have created it from our friend Michael Lombardi. And once again, if you enjoy this show, be a friend, tell a friend. Okay, we're growing by the show, which means Mm -hmm. you guys that are listening to this are telling friends about this show, and we can't thank you enough for that. Guerrilla marketing, baby. There are plenty of things that can penetrate your ear holes. The fact that you allow us to do so on a regular basis now that we're every single day with this podcast, we are eternally grateful for it. So without further ado, I want to tell you another company that I'm eternally grateful for as well. Who's that? You ever heard of Roman? Oh, God. Love Roman. A men's health company that's trying to make men the best men that they could possibly be? Mm-hmm. How's your skin? Is it uh, incredibly delicious to look at? Probably not. How's your hair? Is it flowing beautifully? Probably not. And how's your sex life? Is it lasting as long as it should be? Probably could be better. Probably could be better. Listen, I know you put on a show in there, but how about just having a standing ovation-like performance whenever you go into the sack? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. The people at Roman felt the exact same way, so they created a little tag team partner for you and your little tag team partner to put on the best match of your entire life whenever you're ready to go. Knock some boots. Whenever you're ready to go. Lay some pipe. Whenever you're ready to go. Bend someone over the barrel and show them the 50 states. Whenever you're ready to go. To Ponton. Whenever you're ready to go. Boink somebody. Whenever you're ready to go. Sling some meat. Whenever you're ready to go. Toss some salami. Whenever you're ready to go. Maybe make some love. How about that, Ty? There you Jesus go. Christ. There you go. Well said. Well said. How's the next one? Yeah, sure. It was right there on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> yeah, I was getting to it. Whenever you're ready to do that, all you need to do is pull out these Roman swipes that show up at your doorstep in discreet packaging. Nobody knows that you ordered this thing in Mm-mm. there. And the swipes come in a package that is so small, fits in your pocket. And then whenever you're ready to go do all the things that Ty just mentioned or make love, like I mentioned, you go ahead... Take the swipe out of the packet. You rub it on the kitten caboodle. It'll dry off very, very quickly. Nobody even has to know that you have a secret weapon working for you. And it also will not transfer to your partner, so they have no idea. And you'll go ahead and put on a show in the sack that you've been dreaming about your entire life. Standing ovations for sure. Happiness everywhere. Climaxes for everyone. You'll be like Oprah handing out climaxes with the Roman swipes. And right now, you can get free two-day shipping on the Roman swipes. Get it by the weekend when you go to GetRoman.com forward slash Pat. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N dot com forward slash 
Pat, have great sex. Make great love. Do it for a longer, better time with our friends at Roman and the Roman Swipes. And also, while you're there, go ahead and check out the hair, the skin, and everything else they have to make you the best you possible. Well said. That was well said, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Good for us saying things so nicely like that. People won't talk about that, will they? They won't. They won't. I won't be mentioned. All right. Let's get to the show. Last night on Monday Night Football, Johnny Hecker of the Los Angeles Rams led them to a victory over the Chicago Bears. Mm, Aaron Rodgers is going to want to talk about it because Aaron Rodgers respects good football. But let me tell you about great football. Great football is when all three phases are kicking ass. Great football is when you see a punter Pin them inside their 10. Defense force a three and out. Chicago Bears have to punt the ball. Now you're getting it around the 50 or maybe even on the plus side because they're backed up so far. And by the way, when you're backed up really far, you can't have the same punt because if your gunners get jammed at all, that's field goal. That's potential points on the board immediately. So you have to kick it a little bit higher. You have to get your coverage down there. Chicago Bears had to do that. Rams took advantage of it, scored some points. That's football. Like that is what football is supposed to be. That is why the punter position is important important in football because the number three overall stat to look at to decide who won a game number one is the score great stat great stat it's to lead huge. Oh, yeah. turnover margin number two and number three is field position it is honestly one of the most important parts of the game that never gets talked about now the stats are changing because offenses are getting better and better and it's not great for the punter position i'm just telling you historically for football why the punter position has been so important that's why you hear coaches like jim trestle say the punt is the most important play in football you hear bill belichick talk about it, greatest coach of all time about how important special teams is because it's a game of real estate okay it's, uh, it's, a, it's a game of, uh, it's, uh, Condoleezza Rice compared it to war because it's Ooh. what it is. You're gaining territory. That's all you're trying to do. And whenever you punt, it's like, okay, we'll give it back to you. Now you're going to try, and then your battle, you have to battle. Your defense is keeping them in there. Then you slowly gain down the field. That is what the punting position is. That's why field position matters, and that's why when a guy like Johnny Hecker, who is at the top of the craft, has a game that's at the top of his list of games on primetime television, and it wins, it is so great for the brand. This is a conversation that everybody was having. Last night, Steve Levy, Greasy, Lewis Riddick, whatever your thoughts are, I enjoy them. They talked about a lot of punting, a lot of that. They called it a watermelon ball, so that hit the internet. I think it's a banana ball, I do, if I'm not mistaken. It's from Aussie Rules Football, by the way. He's been doing this for years now. He's been doing this for like three years, and he, the first time I saw him do this, Uh, It was actually the first ever for the brand video that I've ever put out. I didn't have it called that's great for the brand until maybe like the next week. But this is the first NFL Sunday of my retirement. I'm watching the game. It's the first time I'm watching the game in a long time, obviously live uh, without being in the game. And I see Johnny Hecker do this punt and I hear the commentators not even say a fucking thing about it. They're just like the ball just hey, and he butts it out at the six or whatever. And I'm like, what do you do you know what the fuck just happened? This guy turned that some bitch sideways and he punted that thing in a chopper fashion. And that thing, by the way, you never see a returner try to catch it because that some bitch is coming down a la a banana whenever it's falling to the, okay. to the ground. I believe that's why it's named that. I'm not Australian. I didn't create the kick, but I would assume that is the case because every time you hit it, it goes up and then it comes down like this and it normally kicks to the side, which is a much better bounce than the potential forward bounce that comes from the back thing. The only issue with that 
that particular punt is, you have like that much of a spot on the ball you can hit. If you hit that thing too too thin, that's going straight sideways. That is a one-yard punt, maybe two-yard punt potentially, if that thing just because your foot's this big, the ball obviously is this big. If you you're trying to hit that thing here, if you hit that just a little bit left, that thing's going straight sideways. You hit it a little bit to the right, that thing's going straight to the left in a fat fashion. So the fact that he had the and the difference, obviously, between Aussie Rules football and the NFL football, the Aussie Rules football, this is a junior version, is a rounder ball, so the sweet spot's bigger. There's also no person rushing them. It doesn't have to happen in uh, 1.3 seconds from the time it touches your hands to when it happens. Uh, but it is similar, but it's very, very different. I saw a lot of Aussie Rules fans last night tweeting how similar it is to the banana ball we've been doing it for 50 years. Like, I agree, you guys have been, and what you guys have helped in the NFL game is incredible, but it's a little bit different, I think, Michael Dixon would say that, uh, who was an Aussie Rules punter in the uh, NFL now. He comes from that world. But the fact that he had enough confidence to do that, and I, I recorded it, basically. And I was like, I cannot believe this dude did that. I got a text from Shane Leckler that was like, I can't believe that son of a bitch did that because that ball is going out of bounds or whatever. It was just so impressive that he did it with so much pressure on him. And uh, it led to a New York Times article, that particular tweet. Mm -hmm. It led to the For the Brand videos basically still happening because I'm very much a, if something works early, okay, I'll stick with it. If something doesn't work, I'm going to bounce off because I don't have time to waste to do shit that people obviously don't enjoy and aren't that great. (laughs) So it's like a, it's one of those things. So he's probably the birth of not only the For the Brand videos, which I've spent my Sundays doing the last four months loving, by the way. I enjoy the hell out of them. Me just screaming at my phone, hyping up downs that are normally considered bathroom downs, by the way. That's what people normally, oh, it's going into a commercial break. I was getting millions of views on punting videos, explaining to people what punting was. And the thing I found out was uh, people were interested to hear about that type of thing. There's just never been anybody that's been able to talk about it. So I think the interesting thing to me about this whole thing is maybe I owe Johnny Hecker a massive wow. thank you for even getting me wow. into the potential football talk world because I wouldn't have known that people gave a damn about learning about the punting thing. Now, I knew there was a lot of intricacies about it that people would respect if we started breaking down. It's nowhere near as hard of a position as every other position. Okay, we get it. Your shoulders aren't going to be as banged up. Your head isn't going to be as banged up. But you only get a couple opportunities. Like a golfer, for instance, people compare it to golf, which, by the way, golfer's mentality is amazing okay that's a tiny little ball a tiny little club to do your things but if you had a bad shot okay you can go save it and then you can save it and in the kicking road that that doesn't happen like if you had a bad shot you're walking back to the sideline for 45 50 minutes just sitting there like ah I hope I get a chance to do this again. And by the way, if I don't get a chance to do it again, it's probably going to be my fault why we lost and I haven't been able to do a damn thing about it afterwards. There's just so much about having to come together in one quick moment, being able to dial it all together and perform at your absolute highest ability. And I think punters and kickers obviously have been mocked for a long, long time for whatever reason, whether it's back in the day where celebrations, you know, tore ACLs, which uh, mm-hmm. that's a tough look. I agree. Terrible. Okay. And I'm happy Grammatica got his knee back together and everything like that. And there's guys, stories like, uh, you know, when uh, the guy gets kicked in the head by the returner and all that mm-hmm. stuff. 
But the mentality to go out there and perform your job, whether you're a super nerd or a super jock, in such a moment of pressure with so much on the line, I think deserves a little bit of credit, a little bit of, hey, that's pretty impressive what you're able to do. And Johnny Hecker is at the top of the world doing that. That was one of the most impressive nights I've ever seen in my entire life when it came to ball kicking. His first one, it was good. I was like, okay, that's Johnny Hecker, though. Then that 63-yard bomb that just checked up, by the way. Perfect. Perfectly. When you see that ball in the air, okay, you there's a chance that that thing's going to bounce back. You can tell with the way the ball is spinning that there's a chance it's going to bounce back or there's a chance it's going to go straight forward. Whenever he saw that ball turning the way it was and it was coming down, there was probably this like, oh, man, this could be perfect. And then you're like watching the gunners and you're watching the ref to see if it's far or if it's close because if you're three feet off, by the way, that's a 20-yard difference in field position. And that thing just spikes and bounces straight up. Oh, my God. He ran down the field doing that. That mm-hmm. moment <laughs> of exil- – well, you see that ball turning and it checks up. Like, the amount of relief, the amount of happiness that all hit him, I was so happy for him. He beat the Bears last night. Yeah. And now the Bears have to question whether or not their offense is worth a fuck because whenever you're starting from the five, you're going to have to be a great offense if you're playing on scoring because I do believe the chances of scoring is, like, below 15% or maybe below 10%. I think it's probably below 10% if you start inside – you're 10, and I think it's obviously much, much lower if you start inside your five. There's a good chance you're going to be turning the ball back over to the other team, whether it's turnover on downs, interception, because you got to make a play, or you're going to end up punting it. And, uh, yeah, he dominated the Bears last night, and I think it's a little bit unfair to judge the Chicago Bears offense this morning because they were put in positions where yeah. they had to play perfectly. Like yeah. They would have had to play perfectly. Now, they played nowhere near that. They looked no, very no, bad. Terrible. Yeah. Very terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. almost disgusting looking at times. Brutal. But they did not really yeah. get a fair shake, I think, whenever you got Johnny Hecker dominating your entire soul the way he did. So, like, talking about Hecker, so, like... Te- at Viva Lazito here, Chicago Thank Bears so fan. Much. Bear. Done. Oh, oh, no no, no victory oh. stakes oh, for Galaxy. I still have got, so I can't eat steaks. But uh, <laughs> Well, so, you didn't win either. So. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Either way. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr., though. Uh, should he have returned any of those or at least get under the ball? Yeah, that's interesting because the one that landed at the 10, maybe, but I only think he, it was a yard or so. The, if he catches that one that, that spikes up at the three or whatever and he gets tackled there, everybody calls him an idiot, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you can't touch that. That one that he hits sideways, like that no ball, way. that's a tough ball to catch. Get away. Everybody knows that's a tough ball to catch. First of all, Ted Ginn's been around a long time, so I'm sure he's seen it before. I'm not yeah. 100% sure if O'Donnell hits that ball. So has he seen that in practice all week? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not 100% sure. But that's a tough ball to catch. I mean, that thing turns. Like, yeah. It literally turns sideways. It's awesome to watch because uh, it's like when you learn that your beer league softball friend, okay, <laughs> who takes it very serious and mm-hmm. does like the tournaments and all that shit, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and you see videos of him hitting – smashing softballs, just smashing <laughs> softballs yeah off of like lights yeah, and everything like that moon. whenever you learn that i guess their pitchers can throw like curveballs and oh, knuckle yeah. balls and high level beer league softball like that's what it's like whenever you learn how much a football can move like a football can move so much you can hit a knuckleball where yeah. that thing goes sideways that chopper one turns a lot of but that's what the punt return is back there for right to yeah. be the most athletic person on exactly earth. but if you're ted ginn and you see that thing cutting at the last second pretty hard, which is what it does. Is it better to let that thing bounce or is it better to try to catch that thing, buff that thing? You know yeah. what I mean? So there's mm-hmm. there's something. That's why the punt, by the way, is so damn good yeah. because there's a chance a muff is coming from this thing as well. It's Because uh, he was, was trending last night for being so bad, but I, I didn't want to say he was bad because obviously we don't know much about Hecker's like, well, balls. No, he's I mean, Ted, Ginn, uh, Ted Ginn's in a... I mean, Pop Turner is yeah. one of the wildest positions to ever Hecker exist. Too. Yeah, yeah Hecker was hitting great balls. The 
the thought though of people coming after Ted Ginn, I didn't even think about. I didn't even follow that. I didn't know that. It reminded me a lot of a game the uh, San Diego Chargers at the time played against the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs, and it would have been the 2008 season. Ooh, yeah. And uh, Mike Cyphers had like the greatest game in the history of punting at the time. I think it was, he pinned Peyton at like the four, the five. Uh, but he, I think he averaged. He had a great. He won the playoff game. Basically, Mike Cyphers won the playoff game. It came out afterwards. Hunter Smith. I was then drafted immediately after that. So yeah. Bill Poley in that game changed. Like he got rid of Hunter. He was like, we need a new punter or whatever. And it was because Mike Cyphers won that game. Johnny Hecker last night won that game against the Bears. And I'm not sure O'Donnell could have changed it. So I want to yeah. let Hunter Smith know that I think he was unfairly judged <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> whenever he got cut for that game. I don't because I mean, unless Pat O'Donnell was able to hit like a 70 yard rocket, which by the way he could have tried to to do, yeah. which is a great way to combat that. But you're banking on your offense and defense moving just a little bit or stopping just a little bit because if your offense gets a first down all of a sudden now you're gaining a little bit of field position but the way because they weren't able to and he was hitting those he was in the end over end ball like 44 yards every time there was no change john hecker won that game last night yeah. mm-hmm. yep. special teams won that game what's your poll right now though this should lead into a pretty good conversation i'm excited to hear this yep so who's the worst coach in the nfl uh right now adam gay 77.4 percent mike mccarthy 11.7 mike zimmer 1.5 percent and matt nagy 9.4 percent oh. wow. five and two team has a coach Jeez. at 9.4 percent of a poll for who's the worst coach mike mccarthy almost being at that's yeah. an interesting situation. Wild. Yeah. Is it? Jerry Jones said he's our guy, but there's a lot of heat and smoke coming from that Dallas Mike McCarthy one and done thing. Plenty. There's no way they get rid of Mike McCarthy after this no year. Way. But that locker room needs to figure it out. Don there. Jerry Jones mm. had a hilarious soundbite we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, at Bubba Gumpino is sitting in on the couch. At Boston Connors here. Ty Schmidt is here. All the boys in the back. Diggs would not be here today. He woke up this morning feeling a little sick, he said. Oh. Uh, out of the To err on the side of caution, told him to stay home. We have been getting two people in our office tested every single week for COVID here. We have managed to keep it locked down, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Diggs does not think he has that at all. But to err on the side of caution, said, hey, go get tested, and then you'll come back. Um, yeah, T's and P's to Diggs. Hope yeah. you feel better. Yeah. Good luck, on, Tony. T's and P's, Tony. Good luck, Tony. Good luck, Tony. Good luck, Tony. Let's go, Tony. Come on. If you could send him uh, uh, tweets at Tone Diggs mm-hmm. with a Z at the end there, yep. tell him we're pulling for him. Yeah. I think it was a smart move, though. Oh, yeah. It oh, takes all of us. Had to yeah. do it. You, you did it early in this entire thing. Yep. It was uh, maybe three weeks into the entire thing. Yeah, quarantine. it was when the hysteria was at you know its peak, pretty much. Ty yeah. wakes up, feels like shit. I'm going to stay yeah. home, self-quarantine here for a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gets tested, comes back. All right, here we go. Back in the game. That's right. It's a smart thing what we're doing here. Have to do. How about the Big Ten would keep Tone or you out of here for 21 21 days? days. (laughs) We'll talk about that and all of the NFL. Uh, On the other side, we have a guy named Michael Lombardi joining us, who former GM of the Cleveland Browns. He's an advisor for a long time at the New England Patriots. Uh, He is co-host of Hammered Down, our gambling podcast. When you hear this guy speak about football, oh. some people have come out against him, obviously. Jason Kelsey called him out in the Super Bowl speech, mm-hmm. and he owned it, by the way. This dude will own it. He understands. But this guy has forgotten more football, maybe, than it, 
anybody else has ever learned. Like, there's probably a couple up there. I assume Belichick is up there. <laughs> yeah. he, the football conversations he has and the, his ability to just be incredibly blunt with it. I'm excited for this conversation. He's been hot, too, in the gambling world. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. We'll be back on the other side with Michael Lombardi. We'll talk about the world that is the sports world. And Aaron Rodgers joins us in the third hour. Woo! And potentially Johnny Hecker in the second. What? Ooh. I don't know. I sent him a text. Ooh. Sent him a text. He's probably out, you know, celebrating all damn night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's Rightfully so. With his family, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, super dad. He is a super dad. Every time, anytime I ever uh, talk to him, I FaceTime him, he's super dadding at the moment. Last time he was on, he played guitar. Yeah, remember? he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice little melody. Yeah, he's he's just a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's like six foot six, by the way. Yeah, they got a monster move, of a guy. Can they move the uh, yardage back? Because that's yeah, that twenty yard punt to the five was a seventy five yard punt, but it only registers as like a sixty three. Yeah, it makes no sense uh, that the field goal kickers get from the spot where yes. the ball is spotted. <laughs> exactly, punters get from the line of scrimmage because that's the only part that matters. By the way, is how much you gain. Oh, that's the stat. You see, doesn't you see? <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. October 27, 2020. Another Aaron Rodgers Tuesday has come to us in a beautiful fashion. This week, it comes after a massive dub. Okay? Mm -hmm. Massive, massive dub. Slicing, dicing the Houston Texans. He and Devontae Adams almost had 200 yards together. Bunch of touchdowns, celebrations. Life is good. Is he on right now? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, alongside an incredible man who's won a national championship and a Super Bowl, uh, A.J. Hawk, a man joining us in the middle after a big dub, just days after learning that defenses had his offense figured out, he went out and did the same damn thing he was doing for the first month and some days to begin this season. Ladies and gentlemen, um, number 12, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah! Yeah! Okay, there we go. <laughs> Did you hear everything that just happened? We just want ape shit in here for you. No, I just blacked out. I blacked out and I'm not sure what happened. Oh, come on. Um, do you want us to uh, do it? I could do, we could do this from the jump if you'd like. We don't have time. Let's get to it. Have um, AJ do it. Have, have AJ. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> hey, by the way, Mason Jar, uh, real crowd pleaser last week whenever you were drinking out of that. I'm a big fan of that move. Is that just what your kitchen is? Just a bunch of Mason jars and paper plates and stuff like mine? Uh, no, no, and it's vodka, by the way. Oh! <laughs> Could you imagine them running right now? Aaron Rodgers is potentially dealing with an alcohol problem at, <laughs> on a Tuesday. Or let's talk about the game. Uh, immediately after the game, you were asked about Devontae Adams, and you said something to, you know, Devontae and I talked before the game. And uh, we knew or something, we, we, there was some conversation that was had, and you guys knew. It seemed like you two were able to do whatever the hell you wanted uh, on Sunday with the Texans. Did you know that going in, and what was that conversation with Devontae like? No, I don't, think, I don't think we knew that going in. I think it was more just a feeling that based on Aaron Jones being out and Bakhtiari not playing, you know, and obviously their offense – having so much success last week against Tennessee. I just felt like we were going to have to have a big game. Um, and it's just what happens sometimes. You're sitting in the locker room. It's strange. I mean, that locker room had, 
you know, the plexiglass up between every single locker. So you don't really see guys' faces. So I wasn't quite sure where he was at, but just sent him a little reminder that uh, I was going to need him in a big way. And I felt really good about things. Uh, he obviously felt the same way. Um, you know, I just think it's important uh, sometimes to remind star receivers. I used to do this with Jordy Nelson all the time. You know, just to be patient. I think, especially in a game where you know you got to make plays, you're expecting to make plays. Just to have patience with the way things go, because you got to get in the game and see how teams are playing. Now, you know, thankfully for for Tay, we got off to a really, really good start in the beginning. Got him a touchdown on the first drive. But we had a couple real subtle adjustments in the game that, uh, you know, really made the stats look better. He's such a talented guy. I mean, he does so much. Uh, a couple times he was so damn wide open, you're just trying to not miss him uh, <laughs> with, with the ball. But uh, him and I have been in a really good groove. And uh, two days ago was just kind of the culmination of, uh, of a really good week of practice and good, good communication even on, you know, an hour before the game. Hey, uh, Aaron, can it sometimes hinder a quarterback if you have a stud receiver that you are thinking, like, hey, i got to go to this guy? And I only bring this up because their whole Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr. situation, Dan Orlovsky actually explained it very well, I think, on whatever NFL Live he was on. He said sometimes he saw Matt Stafford get in this situation with Calvin Johnson, like, hey, i got to, in your mind, like, right, i got to make sure I push the ball to Calvin, but then it kind of takes away you being able to go through your progressions. And then when he's out – you can kind of free up and see everything. Is that, a, is that a real thing? I don't know. I don't think any quarterback looks at it like that. I really don't. I just think that's the wrong way to play if you are. You know, there's a difference but in my pressure? opinion. Between is there outside pressure, though, Aaron? Think about, like, you You don't have pressure, but if you're a, a lower-stature quarterback, they're going to want you to throw to this stud they brought in. I see what you're saying, Agent, and I'm not saying it's not a – you know, it's not a real thing. You're some stupid, guys. AJ. <laughs> I'll say it. You don't you go on with your answer. I'm sorry about that. But look, there's a reason that guy is that guy. It's because he's probably open a lot and open to a Calvin Johnson, you know, in his heyday was different than most receivers. And open for Odell is different for most receivers. And open for Devontae. You know, I just think that there's certain guys who just have uh, that special, special star quality, uh, like Julio, you know, just to just. So you, you do feed them, you know, intentionally sometimes because they have usually a bigger catch, catch radius. They have the ability to run more routes. Um, you know, so I don't think you're really necessarily fighting that. I just think whether you're not in the rhythm yet or not in the groove yet or um, you guys need a spark, you know, those are the type of guys that you want to go to in those situations. Now, we started off hot and kind of kept it going the entire game. But, um, yeah, there's been times in my career where I need a play and, it happened in the Super Bowl. You know, I felt like we were just a little bit off. I was maybe running a little, a little high uh, emotionally, and we called a uh, a screen pass on third and one, and I alerted the go route outside of Jordy Nelson for a touchdown, and that settled me down. I think it settled our offense down, and we went on to, to win the game. So sometimes you 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 know you do make subtle adjustments, and people might say it's forcing, and, and for the offense and for yourself, it's it's a way to to kind of sell into a group because those guys are so talented. By the way, shout out to you just calling your own play in the Super Bowl saying, I need to throw a deep ball here. Mm-hmm. That's Whoa. awesome. I wish I would have done that in the Super Bowl. It would have been cool if I just looked out at the gunner and said, hey, fucking go, pal. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that would have been beautiful. It would have been a magical moment. And maybe that's why you are you and I am me. You said that maybe you're a bit high emotionally or whatever. It is 
Because we always see you laughing. It always seems like you're laughing, having a great time. Do you? Is that a conscious effort by you? Like, I, I am a better me whenever I'm having a good time? Because for me, it was. Like, whenever I was, like, either super focused or something like that, I would, I would overthink it or whatever. I, I had to be very relaxed. Was that something that you kind of realized about yourself? Well, Pat, I just think it's the moment. In the Super Bowl, you know, and, and we all played in one, uh, it's just a different feeling. You know, you just – the emotions are higher, the – adrenaline's going the nerves are higher and you kind of just want to get that first you know big play to settle everything in i think and and we had taken a couple shots and missed them and i just felt like you know we had uh, press coverage um on him and liked the matchup and and just wanted to at least give it a look and based on his initial release you know he was uh you know he was probably going to be a yard or two on top and you know, hit him in a good spot, and the rest is kind of history there. But I just think it doesn't matter. You know, I'm in my 16th season. Uh, you, you, we always need that kind of first play to get settled into the game. Uh, you know, whether it's a deep throw or taking a little shot. Um, you know, uh, or getting outside the pocket and running. Uh, there's always that play that kind of settles you into the game. Less nerves, I think, the older you get because you're more used to it. But if you don't have nerves out there, I think you you need to maybe focus in and realize it's game time i always thought i was mentally weak because i felt that even like whenever i was at the top when i was doing very well i mean what johnny hecker did last night might be the new top of everything whatever that was unbelievable but whenever i would go out there for the first time even whenever i knew i was like i was nervous like i'll get like a little bit not not nervous but like i was like anxious to get the first one i'm like man what a mentally weak son of a bitch you are it turns out everybody does that's good news by the way i just learned something about me that uh, i'm not so i appreciate you saying what you just said right yeah now. you can write that in your dream journal uh later yeah i'll write that down i don't suck that's good news i'm not a mentally weak guy that's great news for me hey aaron hey what about that so that play to jordy you say third and one screen called i don't know if you you're not confirming or denying that you agree with that call on the screen, but let's say you throw it out there to Jordy and you don't connect. What's that conversation like on the sideline? Big Mike. It's, it's one of those things where you better, you better make it work if you're going to do that. (laughs) You know, there's, there's times in, in, in all games like that, you know, there's, you have to, you have to understand the consequences and trust your instincts you know we had multiple plays in the game against houston this happens all the time where you you make subtle adjustments and you and you make it work or you must have a, a good reason why you did something i think the beauty in in, in play caller quarterback relations is there has to be trust you know there has to be trust coming in uh to you know to execute the play called and trust that if i see something um that you know it's, in my opinion, what's going to put us in the best situation. Like the touchdown to Devontae where he absolutely smoked him off the line, um, that was an adjustment that actually went back to a conversation um, from earlier in the season with Devontae. I believe we were playing Detroit, and we talked about a route adjustment versus press when he was number two in the slot in a, in a two-man stack. <laughs> and in the moment, in the moment I, saw the, you know, I saw the alignment. I didn't necessarily expect the safety to go double weak, like he did away from Devontae, but um, but I made just a subtle little adjustment to uh, to Darius and to Devontae, and obviously Devontae smoked them off the line and, and created about six yards of separation, and I underthrew him by about four yards, so I still gave him a two-yard window to, to break free. <laughs> smart, <laughs> smart, smart. <laughs> but uh, but you know there has to be trust there from from uh, from coach to me, and and also understanding when is a good time to do that and when is the time to 
to kind of go through your progression and trust the you know the nature of the play. The risk reward factor is an ultimate balance that you have to do, I guess, and everything, especially whenever it comes to your relationship with the floor. Who a lot of people wanted you two to hate each other early, and that has kind of settled off in the conversation. But last night, it was alleged. Okay. Brian Greasy, I believe, said something, and you heard this, obviously. Brian Greasy said something on the cat. Yeah, you did, you did, you did, you heard it. So Brian Greasy said last night on uh, the game that Nick Foles told him or told them that sometimes a call will come in for a play and he knows that he has no chance because he doesn't have enough time for the thing or whatever. So basically, the way Brian Greasy delivered it was like, Foles told us last night that Nagy was sending some plays that he knows isn't going to work because he's not going to have enough time. And then uh, Nagy came out and said, well, Nick Foles never told me that. And now Nick Foles has said, well, that was a misquote. But let's forget about the misquote that happens between interview of quarterback and commentator, which I'm sure there's a couple stories that you have for that, but we don't have to talk about that. Is there is that what the conversation you and the floor had this offseason where you go through the offense and you say like, hey, I think in this situation, this happens. Like, is that the play caller quarterback relationship? You two literally have to be tied at the hip, right? And if there's any type of tension at all, it's not going to work. Yeah, I think the tension is released through the conversations, you know, whether it's during the week, uh, it's situational conversations about third down plays that we like. And, you know, this, everything is uh, complicated, whether overcomplicated or, or complicated right to the right amount. Um, as far as the, analytics part and the breaking down of each section of third down and uh, and of the field really you know we have different uh, areas of the field where we you know break down tendencies and stuff we like calling certain spots and there has to be a conversation about all those things um, and the thing I enjoy about uh, work with Matt is you know there's been there's been a lot of great conversations throughout the off season and and, and during the regular season about stuff that we like and why we like them and he'll show me a clip that he likes it from or I'll refer back to something that I like or something that I saw or something from years past on a reason that I like one play over another play. And, um, you know, I think it really helps him see how I see things and, and, and vice versa. Um, you know, when, when I understand the why, uh, it really helps. This is kind of how I've always been as, a, as an athlete, just understanding why we're doing things helps me kind of see the entire picture. And as quarterback, you really have to see the, the entire picture and understand not just yeah, the play call, but the protection, the stress points and protection and, and the subtle adjustments you can make within the play. Um, and then how to kind of go about the play to use, uh, you know, the scheme to your advantage. God, there's so much going on. Yeah, there, there is a lot going on. And pivoting off of that, Aaron, goes in line with it. I know you, in, in so many years of playing in Green Bay, you know, you've had a lot of celebrities that come watch you play. Oh, yeah. Who are some of your favorite celebrities, maybe at away games that you have seen that may, you may – may or may not have been catcalling certain celebrities on the sidelines during warm-ups at times. Doing what? <laughs> I don't know. I think it needs to be more specific. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Chicago. Scott Stapp, Ch- for sure. That's Scott Who? Stapp is Scott Stapp! Stapp. Yeah. yeah! Of course, Scott well, I'm Stapp! Thinking, Hell yeah! I don't know if we Tim won this Allen game. Aaron, you'll know if we won the game. Tim Allen? Tim Allen, I sorry, it muted, it mutes you, but no. Um, in uh, I don't know if we won this game or not. We we're in Chicago. It was a night game, Bam. and there was a, a certain actor. I think he had a mustache at the time, and you were very excited, and you could not oh, stop Vince. trying to get his attention during warmups. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're talking about Vince Vaughn or Will Ferrell or this was uh, Cusack. Oh, it was neither of those guys. You're talking about uh, Cusack, John Cusack, John Cusack, yeah. 
Yeah, he's definitely up there on <laughs> favorite celebrities we've seen. Will Ferrell's been to a game. Um, Kevin Durant, uh, when we played the Redskins, he was wearing Redskin colors. But um, Washington. Kevin Durant has been at games. Anthony Davis, who's a Packers fan, has been to games. We've had the Milwaukee Bucks at various games. CC Sabathia, way back in the day when he was playing on Dave kind Morris. of a rented uh, loan contract for the uh, Milwaukee yeah, Brewers, came to a game. Uh, Harry Styles from uh, One Direction fame. Oh, you know Harry Styles? That's your guy. That's your dude. Love that one, Harry. The Jonas Brothers have been to game. No, the Joe Joe Bros. Nick and Nick and Joe. No. Um, Age was was really excited to to meet uh, with Joe. I think it was right, Age. Yeah, the oldest. I think I met the the middle one, right? The this guy, the guy that sings. Oh, Bill. Yeah, Age is a big Shakira fan too. So really. She was rumored to be at one of our games. Uh, I think it was in Dallas a few years ago, and I don't think she showed up. He was kind of bummed out. That's a shame. Uh, you said all these people, and I would assume they all come talk to you, which is uh, one of the perks of being the quarterback of the team. I would assume they all come. No, they don't. They don't talk to you. A lot of shrugs there. You know what? Let me, before we keep going, uh, there's one person who's going to get really upset if I don't mention him, and that's uh, Kevin from The Office, Brian Bumgarner. Oh! Who's a good friend of uh, AJ and I. Um, He's been to to a few games. Uh, He's a great fan. Met him years ago. Um, You know, also, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about his, you know, finish this year at Tahoe, which was his best finish of his career. Congrats to him. Bumgarner, brother. Attaboy! Really excited for Brian. Um, you know, he's he's uh, he's definitely gotten out of the Barkley groups and into kind of the more middle of the pack groups. So we're proud of him. With oh, you're, golfing. you're talking about the Eddie George, Charles Barkley, AJ Hawk groups. The things that you're referring to right there, I believe, at that Lake Tahoe thing. How have, how come you've not said Lil Wayne yet? Yeah, yeah, Lil Wayne has been in the locker room actually post game. What was Lil that Wayne? like? What was that like? What's Lil Wayne like in the locker room? That was amazing. That was during, I think that was during our playoff run. Well, that was during 11 when we were really good. I think age, age, age probably remembers. I think he got a picture with him. I didn't get a picture at that time, but, but I still have a soft spot in my heart for green and yellow when it comes on. Oh yeah. yeah. His remix of, uh, black and yellow Wiz Khalifa song, I believe. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're, you're hip. Yep. You know, thank you. Yeah. I'm, uh, (laughs) in, Definitely up to date with my with my rap these days. Yeah, well, um, you just crushed it right there. I think you just slaughtered it. Wiz Khalifa has a couple of new songs out, by the way, from Pittsburgh. Great rapper. Loves marijuana. Um, let's go move on the conversation. Last week, do you know that uh, – well, you did. You Actually, you were there. The reaction to your Zoom conference call where you were asked about defenses figuring out your offense and you said one of five or whatever, the reaction was awesome. It was like Aaron Rodgers is in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is moody. This is what happens when Aaron Rodgers loses games. He's moody and all this. And like, it was everywhere. It was awesome to watch, by the way. Just like as not you. It probably sucked for you to hear all this shit, but you've been hearing this for your entire life. So that's you're probably used to it. But for me, just watching this thing kind of catapult because I knew I was going to get to ask you about it. When you sit there and you say something like that and you watch the world react to it what are your immediate thoughts just immediate thoughts while watching i didn't see a lot of the reactions to be honest pat i I really didn't um you missed it they were good and and tom fanning you know who's uh works pr with the packers didn't alert me to a lot of stuff going on i will address you know last wednesday i think it was uh it was one of the poorest set of questions that i've received all year okay um you know those people got a job to do we were four and one um, 
and I think I've been really good on those. And I, I try and be as thoughtful as possible and give them answers that, um, you know, that, that answer the question and maybe give them some insight. But I thought, you know, some of the questions were just um, poor questions. So mm-hmm. poor questions don't always get the same type of answers. And, and, and look, I know they have a job to do, and I'm not saying it's easy, but and when it started off, the way it started off with that question, beginning the, the press conference, it uh, it really didn't get much better at that point. <laughs> that was the first question? I didn't know that was the first question. I didn't question. Know. <laughs> yeah, that was the first question. Hi, Aaron. Happy Wednesday. Okay, so your offense stinks. The entire NFL figured it out. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? What a hilarious start to a conversation. That's awesome. And it, it, yeah, and it didn't, it didn't get any better uh, from there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I can't say it was everybody. I don't want to throw everybody under the bus. But uh, there were a few good questions in there. But, um I'm going to talk to them tomorrow, and I know they can they can do better than they did last week. You know right there you just either made somebody's day for saying that or whoever potentially asked that question is now going to run with this and act as if, like, Aaron can't – like, that's what they're going to do to this. But you know that everything you say is going to cause a firestorm anyways. Well, look, I mean, I don't think they should be sensitive about it. It's Mark Danos. I've known Mark for years, and I've been on his radio show and, and worked with him for a long time. And I think Mark does a really good job. I don't think it was a great question, but – Hey, you know, you're not going to be perfect every single week. I'm, I'm sure, you know, maybe there'll be some sensitivity. I'm guessing he'll probably ask a little better question this week. But I have nothing against Mark at all. I just didn't think it was a great question. I respect Well, that. maybe that, maybe to them it was. Maybe that's what they want. They wanted a strong reaction from you. I, don't, I mean, I didn't give them a strong reaction. I just told them that they've one out of five teams have figured us out. So. <laughs> And then what was the next question? Though? What was the next question? Because I enjoy interviews. Like, I enjoy them a lot. I enjoy how conversations go. Like, I think it's a very captivating thing. Whenever you start with that shot, okay, that's just a pow! All right, here we go. We're leading off with this thing. You automatically, I assume, like, oh, it's going to be one of these days. What was another follow-up question that was just, like, in your eyes? Like, why are we framing the question in the way that we just did? There was a lot. There was some similar ones to that where, you know, just um – you know, to me, it was it was questions that didn't have even even give you the opportunity to give a thoughtful answer. And I looked over at Tom a couple times during, it, and I wasn't trying to be rude, but I, I I was I couldn't believe what these people were asking. And again, it wasn't every single question, but it was it was like, come on, like you, you you're with me every week. You know, I can give thoughtful answers. You know, I, I give them a lot of time. Um, you know, Let's frame it. Questions. It's all in your framing, too. You can ask anything, I've learned. It's all in how you frame the question. You know what I mean? Like, the framing of the question is your opinion on what the answer is going to be, right? So, or, or what the answer should be. And it's a very interesting tactic because you can really lead people into a, a, a certain – you watch Dateline or whatever? Mm-hmm. Those, those, those investigators that are asking the questions, they just walk the person right through every fucked up thing that they do. <laughs> they just walk them right through it. It's, it's the same thing whenever you talk about a conversation. I'm excited to hear how it goes tomorrow, uh, Chipper Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? Like, I can't wait to – to hear how it goes over there, man. Well, let's just wait and see if they, you know, if, you know, Bob Demosky tries to, you know, project onto me that I'm in a bad mood again. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, is that not the most irritating thing ever? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? It seems like you're not. I, my wife, I'll ask her every once in a while, I'm like, are you, in okay? are you in a good mood or whatever? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, 
are you sure you're in a good mood? She's like, all right, now you're getting me in the bed. I'm like, all right, I'll shut the fuck up. <laughs> I will walk it away, I guess. Uh, Ty, what's going on? Aaron, uh, last week there was an article that came out about your quarterback room over the uh, course of your career, and I was just curious. Everyone knows you have arguably the single greatest game in Jeopardy history. Uh, which of your backups had the toughest weekly exam, and what kind of questions were typically toughest for you? Ooh. Oh, man. Yeah, uh Matt Flynn really started started doing a lot of those, uh, making some really really good tests. Um, his were, you know, uh, about three football questions and then about twenty pop culture <laughs> Smart. trivia questions. Um, you know, I have obviously a, a few uh, kind of zones where I'm really good. Whether it's history, you know, when pop culture stuff, I'm pretty good with music, South Park, TV shows, movies, you know. What a direct genre uh, there. So he would, he <laughs> would really Park. try and stump me on certain things, but he was good at tests. Um, well, the thing I love that I always try to get them to do is put some fun facts on there. So do some research on the other team, the DBs. Give me some, you know, potential trash talking material about certain guys. Maybe it's a childhood nickname that they weren't too keen on or, mm. you know, mm. maybe some sort of, uh, you know, thing that, that said or did that you can use against them. I'm not talking about like a mean trash talk way necessarily, but just something you could maybe rip them about during a TV timeout. That'd be fun. And I used, I mean, I would say I used many of those little fun facts over the years, or maybe we just have some laughs on the sidelines, but every now and then you kind of throw one of those out there and, um, you know, the guys be pretty surprised that uh, that research is being done. So a big shout-out to Matt Flynn and Graham Harrell. Brett Hundley was really good at him, too. He kind of carried the tradition. Tim Boyle's done a really good job. And now Jordan's been doing been doing them lately. And, uh, and he's easing into it. He's still, you know, a little football heavy at this point. But um, <laughs> Hey, stop taking it so serious, okay? This is not a serious. We appreciate you being dialed in. But let's get to the uh, – you know, eighth grade report of insert name of corner here. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what we're going for. So I heard in that same article, I didn't read the entire thing. Um, I should have probably, I guess it sounded awesome. I read your article. Yeah. Well, anyway, that, that article, and I, I texted with Graham Harrell afterwards. You know, there was there was some liberties taken for sure. Okay, that's so. So that's why I didn't want to read it, by the way, because I didn't want to. You know, I heard you're a bad flip cup player. That makes no sense at all because with how good you are at throwing a flip. Again, that's a total lie. Graham Harold had no idea how to play flip cup. Okay. Wow. Okay. I figured. What he's talking about. All right, I heard that because I didn't read the article. I don't read. I don't do a lot of the reading. Okay, which isn't good, something to brag about. Okay, kids, read your books. I never have, but read your books. And I was given some information because we're a big flip cup town where we come from. Big flip cup town. It's the best drinking game. It brings the entire place to its feet. Uh, beer pong. You only got two people performing. You can go seven on seven with flip cup. It can be an electric atmosphere. It's always been my favorite drinking game. And whenever I heard that you were terrible at it, I was so bummed. I, I don't think you, I was bummed for like 20, 25 minutes. Didn't leave my office. And now I'm very happy to hear that that's not the case. I'm thankful you got out of there, man. Your, your spirits yeah, lifted. came up. You got back to your, you know, your trash talking about wrestling that I saw earlier. I'm excited to see what happens with that. I thought maybe you're going to call out AJ to be a partner of yours and get him involved. He's long wanted to yeah. follow in the footsteps of his heroes like Macho Man, Randy Savage, oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan. I mean, he's done Brother. probably as many drugs as those guys. So. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Uh, it's a lot we, better if I did. We always <laughs> we always wondered, Aaron. We always wondered. Hey, did you um, did you get a chance to before we let you go? You're so generous with your time, by the way, and we can't take. Did you get a chance to watch uh, any of Letterman's new conversations on Netflix? He talked to Kanye. I'd be intrigued to hear your thoughts on that conversation. I haven't seen it yet, and I also I did see this week. I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan. And I saw he also he talked to Kanye podcast. Yeah. yeah. So I, ha- I haven't seen it yet. It's definitely on my watch list. Um, I did get to watch Borat too. Ooh, Ooh, how yeah. was it? How was your, what was your thoughts on it? Have you guys, have you guys seen it yet? No. Not yet. I, a lot of my teammates and a couple coaches who saw it said it was better than Borat one. Now also t- 2006, a lot of those people were, even some of the coaches were probably in high school or middle school or elementary school. Um, I was not. I was you know, in the NFL at 22. Um, I loved Borat 1. I thought Borat 2 was really, really funny. Not as funny as the first one. Oh, wow. That's what a review funny. right here. A Borat. But I mean, look, but it's not, it's, not a, it's not a knock on Borat 2. Borat 1 just Borat. was so ridiculous. And I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Ali G show from way back. Way back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Way back. So I just thought, you know, it was tough because... Bora is so the character is so well known. You know, even when they showed him Bora too, like people recognized him on the street. You know, obviously he's wearing the same gray suit. But um, and then I hadn't seen this yet, but I went back and watched the first episode of Who Is America. Hmm. Oh yeah, his other show. What's that that is. Show. And the first episode is unbelievable. Hey, Sasha Baron Cohen, he did this interview, or he wrote something. Some uh, He just typed out something as himself. And he talked about how his genre of comedy is something that can showcase and the realities of certain things or whatever. He has to be so fearless, that guy. He has to be. He told a story about how uh, he wrote in that thing, and I think we've seen it, where he was at a rodeo or a, a fight of some sort, oh, and him yeah. and his ex-boyfriend, and he, he said chairs were getting thrown at him. He had to get rushed out of the back. He has to be the mo- one of the most fearless humans in entertainment uh, that was world. In, yeah, and that was in Bruno. That was when he was... When he had that uh, like gay scene with the, uh, you know, down in the deep south when they were wrestling, like, <laughs> I mean, and I heard I talked to uh, a guy who was a producer on the Borat movie when he sang, like uh, the um, Kazakhstan anthem at the rodeo, um, they surrounded the bus and they weren't going to let him leave. Oh, they were. They wanted him to get out of the bus. They wanted to, you know, beat the hell out of him. <laughs> so. Like what Indomitian Sue wants to do to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think we're on, I think we're on okay terms at this point. But I, yeah, I mean, Sasha is is uh, his comedy is it's pretty imagine it's pretty incredible what he's able to get away with. And I think you know a lot of times he goes after you know the same type of people. You know, it's, it's it's just amazing that you know when you look it up because you're watching this, especially last night. We watch this, and I'm like. There has to be actors, right? Some of these people have to be actors. Like, it cannot be. But then you go back and look, and these people are like normal people. And now he figures out ways to fool them into thinking that this is a real event they're doing or whatever. But it's still amazing that, you know, some of the views and, and ideals of some of these people um, that he's able to dupe. Yeah, humans. Interesting hey, species. Final thing for me, I haven't seen the movie. I've only seen... Uh, What's getting at a bunch of pub? What was Rudy, Rudy Giuliani doing when, yeah. when he uh, untucked his shirt? Yeah. What is that? That was all over the oh, year. Oh, yeah. That's all I hear about the movie. I don't know anything else. 
Yeah, he was doing an interview um, with what he thought was a young journalist, and it's in a hotel Borat's, room. It's Borat's daughter in the movie, right? And the whole premise is that he's in order to get out of the work camp that he's been put in because Borat embarrassed the country. He has to make this like grand gesture to someone in America. So he was bringing the ministry, minister of uh, something. I don't know if his film or whatever. And Wait, is this monkey. spoilers right here? It was a monkey. No, this is this is in the trailer. Okay. He was bringing a monkey to America to give the monkey away to Mike Pence or something. <laughs> so when all this stuff didn't work out, then he, you know, is going to give his daughter his daughter away oh and Rudy thinks I, I don't, it looked like he's taking off his mic pack maybe but there was some I don't know there's some weird things said. I mean, you just gotta watch it for yourself alright can't wait to watch it that sounds great um, <laughs> Mr. Rogers why have you not watched Ted Lasso yet yes. and how does that not make it into your time when you're not watching film, by the way, we know you watch film all the time mm-hmm. and film maybe you hound. just put other stuff on to go to sleep at night or whatever. I don't know how you haven't watched that yet. Honestly, I, there's a new show out, uh, a new trivia show. It's a new old show called the weakest link. Oh, <laughs> goodbye. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've seen a couple episodes of that. Other than that, I haven't really watched any TV besides last night watching a little bit of, a little bit of Borat. Hey, is it not Borat by the way? I don't know. You tell me. You're the fan. I don't know. You just you did a critical acclaim of fucking both of them there. I don't know. I think it's Borat, I think. Okay. No, it might be Borat. You're smarter than I am. Uh. When you go on Jeopardy, you did the Jeopardy thing. And Ty, what did you say? You had the high score of all the best games? Arguably the greatest single game performance of all time. Will wow. you ever go on uh, just normal human Jeopardy? Well, not normally. The super, that's because that's like the nerd Super Bowl, right? Is that, do you think you could perform well against the, the, the Jeopardy Jameses and all them? Well, not against him, no. He's, he's you know, him and Ken Jennings are the two best players of all time. Um, Amen. He, James rewrote the whole strategy on how to play. I mean, he, put people away in the beginning by going for the biggest clues and then doubling his money and and then his ability you know he's just such a savant like the ability to like figure out wagers on daily doubles in order to to get them right and equal dates that would correspond to important events in his life i mean that <laughs> me, you know i mean i was it was unbelievable i wish he was i think he's a chicago bears fan which mm-hmm. i don't hold it against him because right you know he's he's a jeopardy Jeopardy hero, but uh, but no, I couldn't compete against him or Ken Jennings. I think some of the other, you know, when there's not a one of those type of players on there, I think I could maybe do okay. Um, but I, I'd probably do better against uh, against celebrities. Against me and AJ, that makes a lot of sense. We're dumb. You're smart. You're athletic. You're great. Good luck this weekend. You're going to play fantastic. Thanks, guys. I always enjoy seeing you. Ty, especially you, buddy. Uh, you buried him last week. No, you buried, hey, you buried him last had week. Had to. Hey, guess what? Got to get better. Got to get better. And you did, by the way. Got to get better. And you did. That's right. Hey. Ooh. He's been trying to say about my Chuck Norris shirt, by the way. I don't know what that is. Chuck, Chuck Norris. Chuck, yeah. Chuck uh, Norris. America yeah. wasn't ready, baby. Hey, uh, Aaron, cares? do you think? <laughs> so I know Pat didn't. Pat didn't notice. I noticed that your camera angle was slouching lower and lower. As well. I was trying to go this whole talk without mentioning your shirt because you you've been trying to shoehorn <laughs> into this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chuck though. I don't know anything about. I him. put on this shirt just for this interview, and I just wanted one 
little recognition for for Carlos. You know, he's a he's a he's a Northern California guy. He's a legend. You know, he's in Silent Rage, one of the greatest movies of all time, Both. and Expendables. Yeah. Oh. You know, I, I just think we need to give him give him his due right now. I have no idea who you guys are talking about, but somebody does. Walker, yeah, Texas Ranger. Oh, I know Walker, Texas Ranger. He fucked over Ben Stiller at the end of Dodgeball. That yeah. guy. Yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. That's, what fuck you you, Chuck that's all you remember from him. Yeah, yeah, that's it right there, pal. He done. Thanks a lot. Some Ron Haas kicks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Kondo is a zillion twice or something like Infinity twice. I remember all that, but I don't know much about him. Ben Stiller is your favorite actor, yeah? You liked, uh, you like Ben Stiller a lot? Have you ever met him? I do love, I love Ben Stiller. He's great. You just know everybody, huh? Your, your phone is just like, boom, I'm one text away from, insert name of world leader here. I know this person. Is that what it's like to be Aaron Rodgers? I'm one degree of separation from a lot of really cool people, yourself included, Pat. Oh, wow. Thank you. Oh, Ladies wow. and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt. I just want to let you know that Cutwater is a company that was founded upon convenience, that was founded upon being able to drink drinks at the house that you can normally only get at a bar. Yep. And there's been no better time to find Cutwater and have these award-winning canned cocktails in our lives than it has been the last couple months. Yeah, I mean, I thought I'd get sick of these things, like a, a White Claw or something like that. Not a chance. Well, they have so many different options. Mm-hmm. There's a Long Island iced tea in there yep. that comes in a can, tastes exactly like how your favorite mixologist would make it, and it's consistent. They have tequila drinks. They have vodka drinks. They have... Gin drinks, rum drinks. They have rum drinks, whiskey it, drinks. They, it all whiskey. It all comes in a can in a convenient fashion, and also is created in a brewery in San Diego. Oh, nice. Yeah, handcrafted, award-winning canned cocktails of all your favorite drinks that you can normally only get at a bar. Our friends at Cutwater are putting them in stores so you can take them home and drink them at the convenience of your own home. Very nice of them. The alcohol level is high. Packs a punch. It does pack a punch. The taste is exactly like you would get at a bar with a professional bartender. Mm-hmm. All coming from a brewery in San Diego, and we can't thank Cutwater enough for being clutch in the lives of the people who need a mixed drink to maybe relax after a long day. Sure. Yeah, makes sense. Maybe game night at the house. Maybe. Maybe watching the ball game. Maybe on a Sunday. Let's throw a couple canned cocktails back to enjoy a day and forget about everything we've experienced the last five, six months. I know I do. Right now, you go to D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and use promo code CUTWATERCLUTCH, and you'll get $5 off your first order. $5? Yeah, yeah $5 off when you go to Cutwater, or you go to Drizzly.com and use promo code CUTWATERCLUTCH, because that's what Cutwater is. It's clutch. It saves the day. It makes you drink out of a can, things that you've never been able to drink out of can. With. Well said. Well said. Very well said. Shouts to Cutwater. You see him, buy him. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your day. Thank you, Cutwater. Let's get back to the show. <laughs> Joining us now to talk about football. This is a sports show. Uh, guys, former general manager of the Cleveland Browns, a man who was an advisor 
for the New England Patriots. He's the host of the GM Shuffle. He writes for the Daily Coach, which is a newsletter that shows up in your emails. They're awesome. They're like motivational things, little tidbits. Uh, guy hosts shows for VEASAN. Mm -hmm. He writes for The Athletic. Uh, and he knows more about football than any human I've ever talked to in my entire life. Italian man, Michael Lombardi. Yeah! Yeah! Here, Pat. Nice to be with you, Pat. Thank you. Hey, I always thought I had a lot of jobs. Whenever I was going through my vitamin brain there, listing off all the things that you did, I realized quickly th this guy has, does everything at the moment. I try to be busy. You know, I mean, I like writing, and uh, so that keeps me busy. And talking about football, I mean, it's really not a job. It's just fun. It's something I've done my whole life, you know, since – I started a league, you're handicapping games. You know, when you're a pro personnel director in the National Football League, you're basically handicapping teams. And I've been able to take that and, and use that kind of knowledge and broad base it into this world that we live in today where people can make bets on the telephone and break down teams. So it's been fun for me. I love it. And I, I have never, you know, when I was on my own trash truck here in Ocean City when I was 17, that was work. I haven't worked since then, really, to be honest. Paisan, Paisan. First of all, people putting bets on their telephone. I mean, Jesus, come on. Self on their, just, I think you just say phone there. I mean, you didn't have to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, come on. Phone, that's right. I don't know if they're picking it up off the wall and they're like, hey, let's call it in. By the way, you probably used to have to call in bets, I'd assume, back in the day. But obviously, you know nothing about that because you've been in the game for so long. And that feels like a good path, by the way, for GMs to go. You're a GM, okay? You, you know more about football than almost every human on earth at this point not not all gms there's some bad gms but most good gms you want to retire you don't want to do tv just give out gambling advice because you you're a, hey the way you have helped me gamble this year i am very very thankful for well i appreciate that but you're on a hot streak you're yeah. a lot hotter than i am i mean we took a lump last night on the bears which we should have known better are there two nick Foles? that's what i really want to know it's mm. like there's like two of them. Like sometimes he's really good and sometimes he's really bad. There's no in between Nick Foles. Like you don't even get a decent, you either get a great one or a bad one. What happened? Uh, Johnny Hecker just dominated that game. And I went on like a 20 minute at the beginning of this. I went on like a 20 minute run about why the punter position is an important one and why it has been for a long time and why people like Bill Belichick talk about it, why people like Jim Trestle called it literally the most important play in football because it is just a territory game where you're trying to gain and gain more territory. Why, why do some people have no idea about special teams? Do you think it's strictly because TV people don't know about it and never talk about it or because it's not as sexy? Like penalties, penalties in the kicking game are disastrous, right? So you're supposed to have the ball at the 45-yard line, but there's a penalty on the kicking play, and now your drive starts at the 15. Well, that's a 30-yard penalty that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. You know, it's hidden yards. You can't find it. I mean, you can't find that number anywhere. And, you know, when you look at that one Super Bowl that was played in Indianapolis, the Giants punter, I mean, he, he was the reason they won the game. I know they gave the MVP to, to Eli, but the the, the, Patri the Patriots' starting field position in that game was the 23-yard line. Steve Think Weatherford. Steve Weatherford was that punter, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I mean, so, but nobody wants to talk about it. You play on a long field, you've got to get a bunch of first downs. you got to, you know, and if you're not making explosive plays like the Bears can't do, then the, the drive's going to stall. And now that they're calling holding against the, uh, against the, the offense, drives are really stalling now. Um, last night, was that more of a the Los Angeles Rams are for real, even though four of their wins are against NFC East teams, or was it more the Bears 
were who everybody was saying as the worst four and one good team five in two team there is. I think if they played that game in Chicago, it'd probably be different. If they played that okay. game in Chicago in the cold, it would be different. You know, I don't think Goff could have traveled back to Chicago when the temperature dipped below 35. I think, Goff, I think Goff's one of those players. You should really look at your smartphone and as there the game is. is going, decide how you want to play him because his body language tells you everything you need to know. And I didn't think that last night, even though I didn't think he was sharp, sharp, I thought there was a sense of energy by the Rams. I, I think if they played each other 10 times, I, I think the Rams would win six and the Bears would win four. Uh, okay, why? so you're not giving up on the Bears at all. Like You think last night no. they had terrible field position at all games, so it's not really a fair indicator of how terrible their offense is or how good their offense is because it's a completely different playbook back there. You think they potentially get back into a little bit of a run, or you think they'll just be able to show a much better football team than they showed last night? I think anytime they play against a good offense that could score against their defense, Green Bay, for example, they're going to have a hard time with Green Bay. If the game's in the 20s, the Bears have to basically check out. They have to fold their hand. They're never going to get in the 20s. They rank on my power rankings. They're the 27th offense in football. And, you know, for all the luster around Matt Nagy's great offensive mind, BU on his call sheet, you know, his offense is really, whether it's been with MVP Mitch or with, with Foles, he'd rather run a triple reverse to get one yard than actually run the football and play with physicality. He's in Chicago and he plays soft. I, I, you know me, I don't, I, I, I'm not a big fan of, of their offense. I think anytime they play against a good deep, a good, good offense that has to score, if they play Kansas City, they can't beat them. If they play Tennessee, can't beat them. No way. You know, because they can't match the score. I love how matter-of-fact you are, by the way. Knowing for sure that those games could happen and come back to bite you in the ass, you're so matter-of-fact because you've been around football so much and you know so much about football at this point where you're just like, yeah, yeah, they're going to suck. They, they have no chance against that. They'll win here. They're going to stink against this team. And you're just so matter-of-fact. That's why Jason Kelsey had to call you out on that stage because of how matter-of-fact you are. <laughs> I wonder what he's thinking right now. i like to know that one. Michael! I think football's a game of matchups. I think, you know, look, the, the Eagles are my power ranking. They have the they have the 26th vertical offense. I mean, they're not playing very well either right now. But football's a game of matchups, right? It's always about how your team fits, how your team plays. You know, I thought we, thought, we all thought Pittsburgh was a tough matchup for Tennessee because they could slow them down a little bit, whereas Tennessee's playing Cincinnati. Cincinnati will move the ball, but eventually that game, Tennessee will take it over this week. And that'll become a hard game for Cincinnati to win. So it's always about the matchups. And when you're a team like Chicago that's built on just your defense alone, you play Carolina, that's a good game because you can hold Carolina down. But you play a team like the Rams that can score or San Francisco that can score points because of their offensive coordinator – you're going to have some issues. The matchup thing is what people talk about for Bill Belichick, how their offense every week is different. They have a new game plan. They're going to attack your weaknesses. They're going to expose them. They're going to take over. They're going to make you play left-handed, which is kind of a shot at lefties, by the way. I don't think playing (laughs) left-handed is anything bad, but you get it. Make them play left-handed. Is that because of the matchup mindset? And did you develop that before you got there, or was that just kind of the similar minds we think alike because we're smart about football thing? I think it's, I mean, I don't know about being smart, but I think we think alike. I think football's a game of matchup, right? I think that, you know, the way we see the game, the way Al Davis taught me the game, reading about him to working for him, was always about matchups. Like always, like last night, you know, like if I'm coaching the Bears, 
whoever the opposite corner is, whether it's Troy Hill or anyone else, I'm throwing the ball at him the entire game. I'm making him know that I'm coming after his ass. Like, I'm going to set it up so I'm coming after you. And you're not getting off the hook. I mean, Andy Reid does it all the time. Andy Reid does it every week. Andy Reid, basically, when you're done playing him, he's told you what he thinks about your defense. Those are what good coaches do. They tell you when the game's over what they really think about your team. Well, and, and if you if you don't have if you just run in place, I want to. It's called, I, what I call battleship football. You ever play battleship as a kid? Oh yeah, I sunk all Miss, those okay. and bang, boom, G four hit. You know, it's like that's the way Nagy calls a game. Well, let me look at my sheet and see what I can call now. Like, go after that other corner. He can't cover anybody. Go after his ass. You know, and and make him earn his keep. And, and, and there's not a lot of coaches in the league. They're all scheme-oriented. They don't care. Some coaches, you can put a Coke machine at left corner. They won't throw the ball over there the whole time. <laughs> Why is that? Is that just two different philosophies on football? It's two different ways. And then here's the other thing that I think makes it different, and this is an Al Davisism, is the great coaches can evaluate players. They can evaluate talent. So that evaluation ability allows them to know who to attack. Whereas there's some coaches, and you've been around them, Pat, some coaches just don't know talent at all. They just don't understand talent. And so they really can't break the game down from players and plays. They just break the game down from plays. And you got to be able to combine players and plays together. It's one of the problems I think the Patriots are having this year because they haven't had an offseason. And they really rely on that offseason to really allow them to understand who their players are and what their strengths and weaknesses are. Okay, so we could dive into that Patriots conversation, but I think the whole world thinks they're dead. Not 100% sure with Bill Belichick you're ever dead. But I would like to go back and talk to you about the uh, the Coke machine thing that you put out there. Yeah. What? And I assume this is why Bill Belichick had a lot of respect for Peyton. Peyton, and I've told this story a couple of times. I saw it whenever I was uh, a rookie. I was watching the game. It was the first time I noticed it because on TV, I don't think you get a chance to see it. A corner got hurt and jogged off the field. Some number 40-something came jogging in or, or some late 30 number came jogging in. And I watched Peyton literally just watch the guy jog all the way over to the corner position. And then I saw him look at the guy. And then I saw him attack that guy seven straight times and we scored a touchdown or whatever. And then the next time we went out, same guy just got they tried to move a safety over he just won at him the entire time and i was like oh this guy is a savage like that is by the way it's what you should do in every sport if you're playing ping pong against somebody and you find out they don't have a backhand fucking feed that backhand it ain't about how how entertaining this game is for everybody to watch let's go ahead and get the dub and get out of here i wonder why that isn't a a, a a universal mindset when it comes to competing that's the easiest way to get a win is that what we're here for or is that not what we're here for I think it's hard for some coaches to evaluate the talent. I really do. I think they can't see it like Peyton. Like, you know, Belichick writes up, he writes up personally every defensive back, every linebacker on the team he's getting ready to play. And then he has a meeting with the quarterbacks to go over every defensive back and every linebacker they're getting ready to play. So when the second team linebacker, when the second team corner, 13 corner comes in who hasn't played, they, they already know he's from. He's from Virginia. He's 5'11", 5", He runs 4'8". He's got really bad ball skills. Whatever it is, they already know it. It's like Al Davis used to make the defensive coordinators. He used to piss them off too, Pat. He would make the defensive coordinators sit in the draft room and discuss the quarterbacks in the draft. And they were like, why am I going to sit here? I'm wasting time. Because what Al wanted to make sure that when a quarterback went on, the, when there was an exchange, when, you know, out goes the starter and in goes the backup. When my man uh, Fanucci goes in, I call him Fanucci from The Godfather. When the kid from James Madison goes in for Dallas, 
Boom. Like, you, you know, the coordinator for the Jack Del Rio should know exactly who that kid is, how he plays, what he does, what he likes to do, because he scouted them before. You can't, you can't get ready for a game if you don't know that. Man, it sounds like Al Davis. I didn't know Al Davis was this mass. All I knew is Al Davis loved speed, always drafted speed, and just win, baby. I knew. I didn't know that Al Davis was like a football mastermind like this. He was the. He was great at 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 understanding matchups more than any person I've ever been around. He taught it to Parcells. He taught it to Parcells, and Parcells taught it to Belichick. And he was also really good at game management. If you call a timeout with two oh five with 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 two oh six to go in the half, you might have you would have not made it back on the team plane. You would have not made it back on the team plane. Because now that gives the defense the the, the offense a chance to throw or pass. Right? We're trying to get the ball back. We want them only to run the ball. We yeah. don't want them to run and throw. His game management, understanding that, like let's say you know, you're backed up for a punt. Nobody practices this. No one really they do in New England. I'm sure they do in other places. But every week you should practice when the team has the ball on their own one-yard line, right? They have the ball on their own one-yard line. How many plays does an offense really have backed up like that? They run a fullback. They run a dive. They run fullback in the flat. They run a nine route. They run about four plays. They don't stand back there and hold the ball to run choice or to run bingo cross. They stand back there to get it out. So if you practice those six plays they run and you stop them, you're going to get the ball back where? 40-yard line, one first down, you're kicking a field goal. That's situational game management football. That's what Al Davis was all about. Oh, I'll tell you what. I used to practice those uh, one-yard line punts. I hated them. I used to jog out on the field just like, this is the worst thing on earth. <laughs> you have to get it out quick. Have to get it out quick. You can only take like a half a step, the whole thing. And, by the way, you have to catch it. It's not even like you can find the laces. It's just like catch it, put it down, and get it out of there. It's a very difficult punt to do, which, by the way, sets up to your point. You're getting the ball in points territory. As soon as you get that ball, you're getting points as soon as you get it. Like when Teddy Bridgewater took that sack the other night against uh, against New Orleans, Al Davis would have gone berserk. He would have blamed the coaches, not Teddy. He would have blamed the coaches, not Teddy, because he would have wanted. He wants quarterbacks to know we can't take a sack. Like if you're at the, if you're at the opponent's five yard line and you take a sack, what's the big deal? You're going to kick the field goal if you hold the ball too long. There, you're going to kick a field goal. But you take a sack at your own at their thirty five, and now you're back at the forty two. You, that field goal becomes a lot harder. So it's that kind of stuff that he constantly wanted the players to teach, to learn and understand it. Same thing that happens in New England. He teaches a class in football 101 from the time the players show up in April until they start playing. They don't have that this year. Well, yeah, well, Hoyer obviously missed that every single time, took a sack, mm-hmm. end of the half. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ty Schmidt, what do you got? Michael, you mentioned a couple times on Hammer Don uh, so far this year that you think the trade deadline is going to be pretty active. If you were the GM of the Packers, wouldn't you be trying to either get like another explosive piece for Rodgers or someone to maybe shore up uh, like the defensive line or the linebackers? If they're not doing anything like that, uh, does that mean that they're just comfortable with their personnel? Obviously, the cap is part of that, but like, why they see this window? Why aren't they going for it? Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like their philosophy since Ted Thompson was there. I mean, they've never really been a free agent team. Ted Thompson would only sign college free agents that were the draft pick. They were very one dimensional. But if I was Budaquest, I would be active as hell. I would want to find the piece that I could get. I would have been all over Antonio Brown. I mean, I would have been all over Antonio Brown to put him on that team. It shifts the balance of power, and and it makes you more competitive. You put him next to Devontae Adams, assuming that he's going through all his off-the-field issues, 
Yeah, I think strength builds strength. And I think as a general manager, when the season starts, you have to make at least 10 moves to make your team better during the season. How do you, you have know- to recognize what those 10 moves are? And some of those moves impact the 20, the next year's team, but some of them impact this year's team. And you got to be there. The problem is some of these GMs are at Texas A&M. They're at, they're, they're at Toledo. They're at some college campus, and they're not watching their practices to understand what they really need. Baltimore does, getting in Dockway. I mean, they now they got a fifth rusher. Here's why they do that. They get a fifth rusher so that they can rush five against an offensive line, and they don't have to run those overload pressures that Mahomes was eating alive. Every time they ran an overload pressure, Mahomes slid the protection. He got him in the right protection. He threw the ball and killed Baltimore. I have a now question. Baltimore, Baltimore can play balanced, rush five, and get home. I have a question. Whenever you're signing like Antonio Brown, who – I think we all agree that Antonio Brown is a touchdown maker. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what he is. He, he's yep. a very, very good football player. Obviously, in the old adage, is be who you can afford to be in some places and all that. How do you know whenever you're signing Antonio Brown? Like the question is that a lot of people have, not us. I think if you get him in the building, he respects Tom Brady enough. He'll be able to. He'll want to be focused in because of that. He doesn't want to let down Tom or whatever. And I think he's trying to come back. But there's a lot of people that are like, hey, the Buccaneers seem to be hitting their stride. Now, granted, Chris Godwin's going to be out for at least a week because of a fractured finger or something that he got this weekend, but. There's a lot of people who are like, why are we trying to fix something that maybe isn't broke right now that could potentially be a disaster in the locker room? Some people think that. I'm not saying we do, but there is that thought. How do you feel about – how do you balance that alongside adding talent too if you're a general manager? Well, I think, you know, the culture's got to help you, right? So I think Brady's probably told them, look, I got Antonio Brown. I was with him for 13 days. I got him. He won't be a problem. I promise you. I'll handle him. And I think the same thing could happen up at Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers like, I got that dude. I'll handle it. You know, Devontae Adams and me, we'll take care of it. We'll, we'll get this under control because it'll help us. Now, do I want to stay with him for six years? Probably not. That marriage won't last. But for the next 10 weeks, I think we can make this thing work. I think there's a part of the season where you have to really evaluate your team and say, we really have a legitimate chance to get to the Super Bowl, a legitimate chance to get there. Baltimore has it. Kansas City has it. Pittsburgh has it. You know, Tennessee has it. They need to strengthen their defense. But there's some teams that might be playoff teams. Maybe New England makes it. Maybe they don't. But they're not one player away from really making themselves a Super Bowl team. They need more than just that. Hmm. Very interesting. What's Speaking of New England, Mike, um, obviously everyone's talking about the struggles on offense, but the defense didn't force a punt against the Broncos or the Niners uh, till the fourth quarter. So my question for you about the Patriots is, do they just fucking stink, or are they going to turn around and this is just a two-game skit? It's a great question. A lot of people are asking that question. A lot of people are yeah, asking. I, I think they lack team speed on defense. I think they lack team speed on offense. I think that they tried to play a lot of nickel against Denver. They try to get faster by playing smaller people like they did against Kansas City. And they don't have enough power, enough girth. I think they missed a ton of tackles against San Francisco. I think they didn't set the edge. I think they need to improve. There's no doubt. I think their talent level, they're very, they're very young on defense. And I think that's costing them. And I think the other thing is, remember, when your Mike linebacker is slow, your Mike linebacker is slow, your defense is slow. And Bentley's a good player, but he's not a fast player. So their defense is slow, and you can attack the edges of their defense because they're slow. And I think that's one of their biggest issues. They've got to get faster on defense. And, and the way you do that, how do you know a team's fast on defense? Go to the stat sheet and look at how many forced fumbles the defense creates. Not how many they recover, how many they create. Because it's the true theory. Power and mass equals violence, and the ball comes out. 
and the Patriots just don't do that. They don't have enough physicality or speed in their defensive front seven to create problems. What did you think of DK Metcalf's speed on defense the other night? That was outlandish, dude. That was unbelievable. And I get, you know, his effort was more unbelievable than anything. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that he never gave up on the play and, and his commitment and his team effort. You know, I mean, on one hand, we see that play, and then we watch Andy Dalton get hit, and no Cowboy player goes over there to pick him up. Ooh. So, hey, that, that's, that's messaging in the locker. That's, that's messaging. Hey, that can't happen, by the way. Jerry Jones, we have a yeah. clip. We have a clip for Jerry Jones getting interviewed this morning. I'd actually want to hear you react to this because you've been a general manager. You've been up there at the top where Jerry Jones sits. He's getting interviewed now about the locker room, and this was – do we have this, Foxy? His response, he basically told the guy to shut up and let him answer in the middle of it because I think Jerry Jones is getting sick of either seeing the headlines about the locker room or whatever he's trying to bury it. This is his answer here. But where do you, where would you have a leadership board? Is it an experience void? Is it a talent void? Is it a leadership board? I'm not trying to be cute here. The answer is yeah. no. The answer yeah. is no. I, I'm asking you. There's not a, well, it is shut up and let me answer. <laughs> no. When I go into the locker room, there's no leadership void in my eyes. Wow. Well, then after that. Key line right there to the sentence. What? When I go into the locker room, there's no leadership void. Well, they're never going to not tell the owner, the man who's writing their checks, if there's a void. They're going to tell him what he wants to hear. That's part of leadership. That's what happens to you when you own the team. People only tell you what you want to hear. You've got to have some contrarian views of what's going on. And if Jerry can't see it, look, Jerry's in a profession where I know he's in the Hall of Fame, but he got there for his marketing skills. As Bill Parcells once said about Jerry Jones, he could talk a cat off the top of a fish truck. He's really good at that, right? He's really good. But his football acumen is what needs most today. So he's got to decide what's wrong with his team. Is it players, coaches, or scheme? When you give up 173 yards a game rushing and you can't hold anybody under 40 points, you got problems in all three areas. But you got to identify where's the key area. The key area is scheme and coaching. So there's leadership voids in those two areas. And as a general manager, you don't need to walk in the locker room to know that. Just watch the tape. Watch practice what they're teaching and what they're doing on Sunday. That's the connection. Practice execution becomes game reality. If you can't mm. tell the difference in the tape, then you're really making a mistake. And Jerry is showing that he's really more of a fan than he is a truly a football expert because he's answering the question based on what people tell him. It's what he needs to know. What he needs to observe is the answer to the question. Wow. Jeez. Jeez, that was incredible. What an answer right there. So you're saying, like, your answer in of itself is already showcasing that you are out of touch with your actual team and what's happening. Now, the interesting thing here, though, is uh, whenever he was running the team, right, way back in the day, he had success, right? There was success. I would assume that's potentially because of coaching and everything like that. But people always fall back on that response whenever people say that Jerry Jones should get his hands out of the football side. They're like, well, he did have a, a little bit of a dynasty type run with the Cowboys back in the day whenever he was running it. Was that him? Was that somebody else? And that has he just Jimmy. lost that it? That was Jimmy. That was Give him all the credit in the world. He deserves this for hiring Jimmy. When he hired Jimmy, nobody thought Jimmy was a good coach. Everybody thought Jimmy was a college coach. When he hired Jimmy and paid him a million dollars a year, paid him a $10 million, gave him $10 million contract, a million a year for 10 years, the National Football League went berserk. But Jerry was so smart, he went to Apex, which is no longer a clother out in business anymore, which would be the equivalent of Nike or Reebok or Adidas or, or Puma, whatever. And he went to them and said, look, you can control my sideline. 
I'll give you all the cowboy paraphernalia. You pay me $10. You pay me $10 million for the next 10 years. They said, sure. So there's Jerry. There's Jimmy's contract covered right there. Jerry didn't even pay for it. And he put all their merchandise on. And that started the NFL controlling the sidelines. That started the NFL having parallel deals. Before, go back to some of those old tapes. You'll see Belichick with a starter jacket on. You'll see Parcells with an APEC jacket on. The guys were selling the sidelines like they, like it was their own business. Well, Jerry's done great business for the Dallas Cowboys and the NFL. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Lombardi. Yeah! Yeah! Be here, Pat. Nice to be with you, Pat. Thank you. Can't thank you enough for uh, choosing to listen to this show. Hope you had an incredible Aaron Rodgers Tuesday like we did. Uh, it's a great day to have a great day. People forget about that. And it's also a great day to tell people about this show if you enjoyed it. And if you hated it, just act like it never fucking happened. From all of us to all of you, you're the best. Hashtag end the pod squad. Go ahead and send in some photos to potentially win some merch. Uh, we've given away like 30 Shirts, I believe, in the last five days, something like that. Pretty good rate there. Just want to keep giving them away, Mm -hmm. I know you do. We appreciate when people listen to the show. We honestly do. Oh, yeah, big time. Because not every show is great. No. Some shows are really, meh, to be honest with you. I walk out of it, I'm like, meh, meh. You bat 300, you get into the Hall of Fame, you know? Bingo. That's baseball, not in this uh, profession, but I understand what you're saying. Right, right. But I look at other people's shows and I go, eh, better than that fucking show. (laughs) If you felt that, please be a friend, tell a friend. We'll be back tomorrow. Massive guest tomorrow. Mm, Big time, baby. Big time. Tomorrow, big guest. I mean. Can't tell you yet. Can it get bigger than Aaron Rodgers? I'm not 100% sure, but we tried. I ask myself that every week and I am continually blown away. All right, Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music and send these people on the greatest Tuesday they've ever had in their entire life. Cheers. We'll be back manana. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review.